Welcome to the Goddess Diaries with your host, Dom Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. This is Dawn Champagne, the host and creatrix of the Goddess Diaries Radio, and I am super excited about my guest today, the Reverend Paulette Esposito, whom I have known for a few years now, and she's she's just been an angel in my life, and I'm super excited to share this interview with you guys today because she has so much to teach and so much to say, and she's just been an awesome way shower in my life and an inspiration in my life. So without further ado, I'm going to let her speak and tell her, tell you her own story. So without further ado, I want to welcome Reverend Paulette Esposito. Well, good morning, Dawn. I'm just delighted to be here. Uh, yes, you're right. I do have a lot to say and a lot to share. I, uh, I am uh, so grateful for all of the experiences that I've had in my life uh, which have has have gotten me to this point where I am in my life today, and I started uh, my my work, if you will, at, in corporate America. And uh, a lot of people say, "Oh, corporate America, this and corporate mm-hmm. America that," but this was a great training ground for me because I I traveled the country and the world and really got an opportunity to learn so much about myself in addition to um, how to interact with all different kinds of people from all different walks of life. And uh, I learn from every person I meet, and uh, that's what got me to where I am today, uh, doing work that I absolutely love to do. Uh, I am a, a speaker, an author, a coach, and a, uh, a spiritual uh, messenger, and I know that yes. my work on this planet is to be a messenger. And I delight in that every single day, for sure. It is awesome. I know that every time I've run into you or any encounter that we've ever had, you've always had a message that is 100% true. And it's a good message. <laughs> so, Paulette, you're, you do navigate, well, probably not so much anymore, but you do navigate between that masculine corporate world and the more feminine world of, you know, spiritual circles. What can you tell us? I mean, I guess maybe we should back up a little bit and, and just kind of tell us, have you tell us your goddess story first? Who are you? Where have you been? You know, you kind of started down that journey or that road with us, but what, how did it lead you to where you are now? What exactly is your title? Uh, my title is Reverend. Uh, because mm-hmm. I, I did go to a seminary uh, in New mm-hmm. York uh, affiliated with uh, NYU and was ordained at St. John the Divine Cathedral in Manhattan. Uh, I, I did go to a seminary and went through the blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, and what was so fascinating is that I believe that people come into your life and they drop seeds. And I was doing a coaching uh, gig for a dear friend of mine who was appointed a justice of the peace. And uh, she was very nervous about doing her first wedding. So I coached her through it uh, before she had to do the main event. And I, after I coached her through it, I said, wow, wouldn't it be cool to marry people? Awesome. So with that, 
another friend came through my life who had been going to this seminary in New York, and she dropped that seed. So I live my life with the philosophy always of be curious. So when someone comes into my life and they drop a seed, I pick it up and run with it because, you know, we're all getting messages every moment of our lives from the universe, from the divine. And that was a seed she dropped. So I picked it up and I, I enrolled in seminary thinking, oh, it'll be really cool to marry people. But after the first <laughs> year, I, uh, as I was being um, initiated into the ministry, as they called it, after the first year, I was standing there on the dais and we were getting our prayer shawls and so on and so forth. And all of a sudden I realized, wow, this is not just cool. This is a calling. And that's when I realized that this is the work I'm supposed to do in my life and then was ordained. And, and having done some past life work uh, mm-hmm. in many, many, many of my past lives, I have always been a healer, a priest. I was uh, one person told me that I was at one point in time a high priest in Atlantis. And it, oh wow! Yeah, so I, because it was really funny. I when I saw this man uh, from I, I dressed very plainly, so he didn't know anything about who I was or what I did. And he looked at me and he said, "Have we met before?" And I said, "No." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so as he started doing the reading, he was doing a reading with tarot cards and palm reading and so on and so forth. And as he was doing the reading, he started to go into past lives, and he looked at me. He said, that's where we've met. He said, you are a priest in Atlantis, and I met you in Atlantis. And I said, okay. So evidently this has been my path for many, many lifetimes. And can I just interject here very quickly and just add to that? Because every time I have read for you, that comes up. (laughs) And and you know the priestess card or some some past life priest experience comes up and um that happened at the uh, a goddess circle that we were at last summer and after you had left i had pulled a card for each person in the group and yours of course was the high priestess <laughs> so anyway <laughs> It's You know, I, I often step back from all of this and I'm just awestruck at how all of this always fits together. Because I when, know. When I was in the seminary and we were going through the oral uh, exams, so to speak, we had to give a presentation as to what got us to where we were in the seminary. And my roots are Catholic. I was raised a Catholic. And my story was this, that as a little kid, Uh, all my friends were outside playing. And what was I doing? I pulled two kitchen chairs together in the kitchen, and I set up an altar. And with the Catholic prayer book, I ended up not being a nun, but being a priest and actually saying (laughs) Mass. So it all fits. I mean, it's just so Mm -hmm. incredible if if we all just stop and, you know, pause for a moment and listen and observe. Uh, and remember story, yeah, yeah our stories are always right in front of us <laughs> oh that's so fun I love that <laughs> so you are also a success coach you've I trained am. with with who 
Yes, I am. An, I am a success coach. Uh-huh. And you trained with Jack Canfield, is that correct? Jack Canfield, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and what does it mean to be a success coach? Well, uh, I am a trainer. I am a coach. I actually just did a workshop called Mastering the Art of Success. And I, uh, because I have worked with Jack, uh, and he was my mentor, he is my mentor always, and I uh, teach his work, which uh, is based on his book called The Success Principles. So Mastering the Art of Success is, is taking people through success principles. Uh, he interviewed the most successful people on the planet, and he put the reason they're successful, all those reasons, he put them in practice in his own life and became obviously very successful. And uh, he created a book called The Success Principles. And if you get this book and go through it and do what he says in the book, it can't help but make you successful. So I am also a success coach, and what that means is I help people to uh, figure out their why. Why are they here on this planet? Their vision. Uh, if, and from the vision, what is it you want to accomplish in life? What are your goals? And with that, as a coach, help them through the vision, creating their goals, creating an action plan, but most importantly, keeping them really accountable so that they reach their destination of success. And uh, the other tool that I have that helps that is that many people have blocks and obstacles that get in the way of moving forward in their lives. And I'm a certified RIM, that's R-I-M, facilitator. And what that is is that I help people uh, uncover, explore blocks and obstacles that get in the way, and uh, we break through them, and uh, it really helps people to move forward. have had many, many amazing success stories with using RIM for that reason. Because you can go through all of the training success coaching in the world, but if you've got obstacles and blocks that keep you from moving forward, you're, you're stuck dead. So the RIM is very, very helpful uh, in doing that. I also have helped people with RIM for phobias and, uh, you know, these things that, that come up in life or that we experience in life when we're babies. Uh, I was working with one woman who just couldn't move forward. She was just stuck, and as it turned out, she was sexually abused as an infant. And once we uncovered that and helped her work through that and come to grips with it, uh, I was amazed and startled at uh, what she did in response to that. It, it was truly amazing and, and very gratifying as a coach and a, and a messenger. Sure. So what does REM mean? I mean, you explained it, but what yeah. is it like tapping? Is it like hypnosis? Or, I mean, what exactly for the listener's benefit? What does that mean? REM stands for Regenerating Images in Memory. And it is not hypnosis. It is not counseling. I'm a facilitator. So the person is doing all the work. And uh Using a, a formula, if you will, or, or different techniques within RIM, uh, I help people get quiet, and it, basically they're in a relaxed state, although it is not hypnosis, um, because it, they, you can come out of it anytime you want, stop anytime you want. But what it does 
is it helps people to find that place in their bodies uh, that are calling their attention. And once we, we focus in on that place in their bodies, from there we can uh, figure out, okay, what is, what is it that's calling your attention? And I ask, ask them to call in uh, a spirit guide. And it could be an ancestor, it could be angels, it could be a rock. It doesn't matter what it is. It de- just depends on what shows up for them when I ask them to call in the spirit guide. And with the help of the spirit guide and themselves, um, we work through, and there's dialogue that takes place. And for, for some people, it's the first time that they are able to verbalize what's going on and what's causing the pain, what's causing the block in a very safe environment because the environment's very, very safe. And, I, you know, we set that all up. I set that all up ahead of time. And, and I'm getting guided throughout the whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is, it is a wonderful tool to help people who are stuck. It sounds fabulous. I like the blending of heaven and earth, you know, the, the ethereal with the body awareness. And I think that um, these kind of methods are, you know, becoming more and more uh, commonly accepted as healing modalities. I mean, you know, uh, we live in Idaho, which is still kind of behind the times in terms of alternative healing (laughs) acceptance goes. Um, But this one, I really feel like it's just so important on so many different levels, physical, mental, spiritual, and it feels like um, one that that can really help a lot of people regardless of their persuasion or belief system or, you know, acceptance of it. Um, but I really, I really like that. I like that it does blend the, the holy trisecta, you know. That's mm-hmm. amazing. It sounds amazing. It, it was originally called, Dr. Deb Sandella uh, created RIM. Uh, and she, her background is, is she is a psychotherapist, and but does not use psychotherapy in REM at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she created REM, and it was originally called, and you'll get a kick out of this, Dawn. It was originally called releasing the inner magician. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that one would be as widely accepted, <laughs> but that's fun. Because it's still, you know, with the acronym R-I-M. <laughs> yeah, and it does regenerate images from the past, from your memory, and that's what it, it's called, regenerating images and memory. But, uh, but again, it, it, because it uses exactly what you said, uh, it was originally called Releasing the Inner Magician, because we all have our inner magicians, for sure. <laughs> oh, let's, I want to ask you that, uh, since you just brought it up. We all have an inner magician. So... Um, maybe you've already answered this. Do you identify with a particular archetype? Well, it, in tarot, uh, yes, and it is the magician. My That has been my card, if you will, my archetype mm-hmm. uh, from when I first studied tarot. Uh, and I studied with um, Mary Greer and Rachel Pollock for years. And, Mary Greer um, is one of my favorites. Yeah, she's she's written a few books that I just absolutely love. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so the magician has always been the archetype and the card that resonated with me for sure. 
But when I say we all have inner magicians, for me, and and I I created this center of self-discovery, and for me the center of self-discovery is your inner wisdom. And whenever, uh, I, I, what I do is help people tap into that inner wisdom, that inner magician, if you will, uh, because that's where all the answers are and the questions. Uh, is it Ooh, is like that, that wisdom that's within? And for me, that's the connection to the divine or the divine presence, the universe, uh, the goddess, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And that's the connection is, is your center of self-discovery, your inner wisdom. Ooh, I really like that a lot. Because around here, you know, we're all about daring to remember your sacred self and... Yeah, that's what it's all about is tapping into that. So I'm going to go back to the question that I asked you earlier and um, ask you to elaborate a little bit on how your experience of navigating between the masculine corporate world and now, you know, the more feminine, I guess I want to say feminine, spiritual world, (laughs) Um, how, how does that, what have you learned about success in all of this? Uh, given I lived uh, in Connecticut, 35 miles outside of New York City, so mm-hmm. I am a basically a, a New Yorker. That's I worked in Manhattan sure. and so on and so forth. And when I started to travel around the country for corporate America, what I learned is that in order to be successful, I meet people where they are, and I think mm. that that is a key to success for everyone. Because we can walk through the world with our own agendas, and that mostly doesn't get us anyplace. Uh, yes, we have to have our boundaries and um, the action plan and so on and so forth. But meeting people where they are, for me, is the key to success, and it's about listening. Uh, so when I first started with this, uh, yeah, I came you know, like a bull in a china shop as a, as a New York Northeast woman, <laughs> working in the working in the south if you can imagine and i learned really quickly that wow who what i how i br- come across doesn't fly i'm not going to be successful so i stepped back from it and i said okay i need to straddle both worlds masculine and feminine uh because uh in some cases when i was dealing with you know, i worked for for a paper company and I dealt with a lot of foresters and mostly masculine, you know, um, employees. And I had to really straddle the fence because meeting people where they are, I had to be that hard masculine um, uh, person when it was necessary. And, and the feminine side had to be in there as well. So, so I was like, I always likened to the work that I did, especially in training, that it, it was like Wonder Woman with her magic cuffs because I never oh, I knew what her. they were going to throw at me, you know. Right. So that was the persona. I was I was really like Wonder Woman, uh, trying to uh, to meet. Did you people. ever have to take out the lasso of truth? <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> I love you it. Bet, well, well, you know what happens is that, and for people who are in your audience who have been in the world of training and development, they'll understand this is that every time you're standing in front of a group for the first time, they test you. They are going to test you, and, be, and you really have to 
uh, meet the tests because that's the only way you'll be credible. Sure. And, I, you know, I was doing a training program in Texas, and, uh, you know, there's always uh, sexual innuendo and so on and so forth uh, because you're dealing with a group of <laughs> testosterone-loaded guys who uh, were showing off. And I, I really had to step up to the plate, and you're right, the lasso of truth came out, and it had to. And uh, at one point I had a group that wasn't paying attention to me. So here I am standing up in front of the classroom with a flip chart, and they weren't paying attention. So I turned my back to them, and I started talking to the flip chart. And then the room got really, really quiet. So I turned around, and I looked at them. I said, oh, now you're willing to pay attention? And they laughed, and then we went on. And then I had their attention. But there were many things that I had to do where I, I really had to gain credibility with them through their tests. So it was a lot of fun. I, I really loved every minute of my work in corporate America because I learned every single day something mm-hmm. that could help me in my next gig and my, in my next career and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. It sounds like, you know, um, and, and, what it, <clears throat> excuse me, and what I know of you is that everything, okay, a friend of mine recently said this in a video that she made, and she said, what she said was, this is happening for you and not to you. And I love that way of looking at life because, um, you know, life is a journey and all of our experiences are learning opportunities. And I know recently, Paulette, that you've had a number of challenges in your own life um, do you care to elaborate a little on your journey over the past year and what you've learned from it? Absolutely. I uh, Actually, it, it's on the 22nd of March, uh, it will have been a year that I was Oh, wow, by, already. Yeah. <laughs> I was hit by a drunk driver and suffered a traumatic brain injury. So I, for a whole year, I have been recovering, and uh, it was only last week for the first time that I taught a full-day workshop. Uh, other than that, I have been doing not a whole lot, uh, just recovering. And I'm very blessed and very grateful that I am upright and I can function, and, um, you know, it, it's a miracle. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, however, there things I believe, my, I live my life with the belief that everything always happens for a reason and all is always in divine order, so that I had to go through that experience uh, was the universe saying to me, and this is what I'm interpreting it as, that, okay, you need to uh, be down. You need to be down for this length of time because of the shift that you are going to make. Oh, deep. Yeah, And, and, and I honestly believe that everything we get in our lives, whether it's a challenge or whether it's a joy, is always in our highest good. And many people will say, well, how can you say that? You got hit by a drunk driver. I know that. But my belief is that I never get anything unless it is for me and for my good. So I step back and look at this challenge and and say, okay, what is it I needed to learn? Well, the biggest lesson for me was to learn to receive because I am the one who always was the giver, and, you know, that's probably part of the masculine stuff too, or, and mm-hmm. the feminine, I guess. But 
mm-hmm. I'm the giver, I'm the doer, I, you know, I take charge. Well, it wasn't like that. I couldn't drive, I couldn't make my meals, and I had to learn to receive. I was very blessed because uh, there's a website that I had to hire a life care manager. Her name is Dee Childers uh, of Life mm-hmm. Changes. She's also a very dear friend, but she took charge in that there's a website called Lots of Helping Hands. And she posted on that website what my needs were, because I was in physical therapy five days a week, sometimes twice a day, and I had to get rides and meals. So she posted my needs, and I'm very humbled to say Mm -hmm. that 70 people signed up, and I had to learn to receive very, very hard, very hard thing. It was a very hard thing for me. When people brought meals over, they gave me rides and uh, and you know, and I couldn't work, so some people helped me financially. And it, it was very a very difficult learning for me, but it, it's one of the reasons it happened. I needed to learn to receive. So, yeah, everything well, happens for a reason. And can I ask, do you have anything um, that you can share in terms of now your integrated wisdom? about why it's important to be able to receive? Well, I mean, um, for the general public. Yeah. And I, I think that, that if, if people can step back and think about, but more importantly, feel what they feel when they are giving, then this is an opportunity to let other people feel that same kind of joy. Because there's a great joy in giving, for sure. But there's also an equal joy in receiving. And I remember years ago I had um, hurt my back so badly that I was flat, flat out, and a friend of mine came over to bring me my dinner. And she said, okay, I'm coming back tomorrow morning to change the sheets on your bed and to bring you breakfast. And, of course, what did I say to her? Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. And and she said to me, um, if I were in my bed, she said, and you were helping me, she said, uh, would you do it? I said, oh, it would be my joy to do that for you. And she said, well, then shut up and let me have some joy. Oh, <laughs> how yeah. sweet. <laughs> yeah, so, so it, it's really about uh, what you feel when you give. When you step into the, um, the, the, step, the feet of having to receive, just think of it as you're giving others an opportunity to feel the same kind of joy that you feel when you give. I like that. That's a really good way of flipping it around and mm-hmm. seeing it from the other side because I know a lot of women especially – who really have a hard time receiving like they they you know subconsciously or some on some deeper level believe that it is their job to care for everyone else and not themselves and so if that's what you believe then that's a great way to flip it around and say okay well then I'm caring for you by allowing you to give to me <laughs> so that's beautiful. I, also, I love that. I also learned, and again, this happened a long, long time ago. Uh, I was a practicing Catholic at the time. Mm-hmm. And in the Catholic faith and in the Bible, there's the great commandment, 
you shall love your na- um, the Lord with all your heart and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And I was walking through the world, you know, helping people, and, you know, but not really doing anything for myself. And I went to see this this blessed old Monsignor, and we had this conversation. And he said, you know, so many people make the mistake of giving, 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 doing, doing, doing for other people, but they miss that part of the greatest commandment where it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's really about loving yourself first. And therein lies one of the reasons why, and mostly it's women, who do, 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 and give, 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 because their role is to help everybody and to do for everybody. But it really is important to love yourself first, because if you don't love yourself first, how can you really do for other people, you know? Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) Well, Paulette, in terms of success, I want to ask, why do you believe it is important for women to remember their sacred selves? Women have an incredible energy that men don't have. Uh, Men are wonderful and we love them dearly, but there's an energy that women have that I believe pretty much runs the planet. Uh, Mm -hmm. I had wonderful experiences. I studied in India. Uh, I'm a, a devotee of a holy man. His, his name is Satya Sai Baba, and he has since passed. But I was blessed to go to India and spend time there. I went to school in India. And it was the re- first time I had ever been in a, in a, on an ashram um, and been in a situation where men and women are separated. Uh, in, the, in the big darshan hall, as it's called, men are on one side, women are on the other side. And that's where I really got the effects of what feminine energy feels like when it's so concentrated like that. And it's pretty heady. It, it's, it's just this, this mountain, this fountain, this mountain, this volcano of love energy. Mm. And that's what I experienced doing that. So I think that uh, women are, are doing them, not doing themselves a favor by not understanding and embracing that incredible energy that they have and that the sacred feminine is uh, so important to understand and to embrace at every turn in the road in everything we do mm-hmm. that's really interesting that you that you say that because um i had the pleasure of interviewing z budapest and she is the founder of the Susan D. Anthony Coven, which is a woman-born woman coven. And recently it was um, uh, the subject of controversy a couple of years ago when uh, they went to uh, perform a sacred rite that was for women-born women only. And a transgender um, group uh, protested the, the ritual. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately about why is it in our country or at least in our Western culture that we uh, don't see the importance of these separate sacred spaces for the genders and also why don't we include transgender as a 
separate sacred gender. And so I don't know uh, what my question is, but I guess I really like the fact that you um, brought that up as how important it is to be able to, to really feel that divine energy, because I think there is something to that. Um, I don't know if you can add anything to that, but I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Well, I, I also, I think that <clears throat> a little exercise that women can do, men can do this too, it's, a, it's an important exercise for all of us, <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, an important exercise that women can do, and, and you can do it in the morning, you can do it in the evening, is to look in the mirror. And when you look in the mirror, and it's difficult for for so many people to make eye contact with themselves. But as you, as you look in the mirror, and you make eye contact with yourself, and speak about, uh, you might say, uh, Paulette, you just did a great job on that workshop today. Uh, even though you're still recovering, uh, you aced it, and people got a lot of value out it out of it. You did a great job. And then end whatever it is you're going to say to yourself with the words, I love you. And as you, as you do this every single day, it's that I love you that will start helping you have this warm, fuzzy glow when you say it mm-hmm. because you're falling in love with yourself and you're tapping into that love energy, that sacred feminine energy that you have, and you're embracing yourself with it. Uh, which just really helps it to grow and expand and so on and so forth. And, yeah. and the, you, you raise an interesting question about transgender people <clears throat> because uh, are they masculine or are they feminine? A- and mm-hmm. they, would bo- they would have both energies. So mm-hmm. is this something that a transgender person has to... Uh, work at opening up the gates, if you will, of the feminine energy as they come more and more into their transgender life. <clears throat> and and what, how would that feel differently as the feminine ener- energy grew within them? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess I was asking because I know in India, uh, transgender um, individuals are considered I mean, they're respected. They have special rights, or not special rights, they have equal rights, you know. Mm -hmm. They are recognized as um, a third gender, I mean, legally recognized as a third gender. And so it just seems um, interesting to me how this keeps coming up, I guess. And so I wonder, I don't know if we have the answers for our country, but I think that um, it's good that we're having the conversation at least. So, Interesting stuff. (laughs) But I like what you say about the mirror exercises, too. And I wanted to just um, quickly say something about that, because I read about that. Louise Hayes talks about that, um, and I can't remember her her work that she describes that. But I tried that. You are absolutely right. When I first set out to do those exercises, it was the hardest thing in the world to look at myself in the eyes. And I... I had to force myself to sit in front of the mirror or stand in front of the mirror and do that Mm -hmm. and force myself to look at myself. And it was a really difficult exercise. And it's funny because after a while you do begin to soften 
And I feel like that softening was like sinking into that femininity, you know, sinking Mm -hmm. into that more feminine energy. And I agree with you that men can do this as well. And, and we all have masculine and feminine energies. Um, but I do believe that that mirror exercise is a very feminine exercise. And so letting and if that you, if you uh, do soften it, you. Mm-hmm. If you do the mirror exercises, exercise for 40 days, uh, and you can do it at night before you go to bed or, or first thing in the morning, it, it's totally up to you. But if you do this exercise for 40 days without a break, and if you, and if you let's say you do five days and you don't do day six, you've got to start again at day one. But if you do it for 40 days straight, it will change your life. Why 40 days? Well, 40, well, 40 days is a, um, a time period where your brain gets rewired. Uh, mm-hmm. They did some studies with NASA. Uh, very interesting. They, when they were training uh, men to go on the moon, uh, they did these, uh, these exercises where they put them in uh, no gravity. Uh, so basically they were point, their heads were pointing down and they were seeing everything upside down. And uh, they kept them in that state for, I think, 17 or 18 days. They took them out, and uh, their brains reverted uh, to normal again. But if they kept them in for 30 to 40 days, when they took them out, their brains had rewired so that when they were in a gravitational situation again, they could see right side up even though their heads were pointing down. So it takes the brain 30 to 40 days to rewire, to become a habit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> and I like the number. It's symbolic because, um, you know, like in the Bible, Jesus was uh, in the desert or, or wandering for, or the let me think. Forty there's days. There's the forty days um, that he wandered, and then there's the the Egyptians. Was it forty years? Yeah, Where Moses they were, led them out of Egypt. Yep, yeah, they were in 40, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot of symbolism. And I, when I turned forty, I um, I remember somebody telling me that 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 number is the number of transformation. So that totally makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I felt it. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, well, you know, we are coming up against the end of our time together here on this interview. So I wonder if you have any other stories you would like to share with us. Anything well, insightful? Or? The, the story uh, I think that is most uh, important to me is that it took me a while to embrace the gifts I have as a spiritual intuitive. And uh, for anybody out there who has gifts and they're trying to hide them under a bushel, take your bushel off because I was always so concerned that people would consider me a flake. (laughs) And I really don't have a problem with it anymore. If people think I'm a flake, it's okay. That's their issue, not mine. But once I fully embrace the gifts that I've had for so many years, um, it just feels really good. And um, last December, I received a message to go to the cemetery. 
And I, I was fighting it. I said, you know, I don't want to go to the cemetery. And the message kept getting louder and louder. So I remember it was Christmas Eve, and I was on my way uh, home from the supermarket, and I had to pass the cemetery. And the voice got even louder, and it said, turn into the cemetery now. So I did, and I, I was kind of belligerent, and I said, okay, I'm here, what do you want? <laughs> and uh, I was instructed to keep driving, keep driving, and I found myself in the veteran cemetery. So I got out of the car, and I started to walk around, and I found myself in front of the mausoleums that hold the urns. There are these long buildings. And I stood there, and I closed my eyes, and I centered myself, and I said, okay, with grace in my heart, I said, I'm here. What do you need of me? And with that, the tears started to flow uh, with my eyes closed, and I could see that I was standing at the apex of a V, and on one side of me and on the other side of me were a line of soldiers from all different uh, eras. They were all in different military dress. And with that, to the right, uh, there was an opening, and angels came down. One came down for each person and stood behind that person. And the message was that it was time for them to go to the light. And one by one, the angels took them to the light. But there was one soldier who didn't want to go, and his name was um, Michael James, and he didn't want to go. So I asked him, I said, why don't you want to go? And he said, well, because I have a baby daughter, and I don't want to leave her. Mm. And the message I got for him was, well, you don't have to worry about her because she is going to live a long, healthy, and happy life. You need to go to the light now, and you can come visit her anytime you want. With that, a second angel came down for him. And finally, he agreed to go. And I'll never forget the picture. As they were taking him to the light, he turned, looked over his shoulder, and smiled at me. And that was what I, the reason that I needed to be there that day. Uh, so that's the kind of work that just gives me great, great joy. So if you're hiding your gifts mm-hmm. under a bushel, take off the bushel because you also have work to do. That's so beautiful and inspiring. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. And I, I, I've really stepped into, because, you know, again, I still do, uh, of course, I do executive coaching and career coaching uh, spiritual coaching and all of that stuff. I, uh, but I have been compelled to create something called the Tree of Life Interfaith Temple. Yes. So now, the, now I do have a gathering every Sunday, a spiritual gathering. Of course, it's non-denominational. And I get a message every week as to what I'm supposed to share. And that's been kind of fun. We've been doing it for 10 weeks, and it's been kind of fun. It's open to everybody for sure, too. So how can one get in touch with you then if they wanted to uh, join your tree uh, you, of life, sanctuary, or even coaching? Yeah, um, reach me on my uh, – I have a website, uh, which is centerofselfdiscovery.com, and also my email is paulette at centerofselfdiscovery.com. And uh, okay. it's all, as I say, that – Spiritual gathering is open to everybody. Uh, 
Well, my dear, we have reached the end of our time together. Um, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show and sharing your journey, your story, your inspiration, and your wisdom. And I, I just adore you so much. So thank you for coming here and sharing your gifts with us. I am so grateful and honored and touched. So well, I, I will am- be sure to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I will, I will be sure to include the links to your contact info in our uh, description on, on blog, here on the blog. Okay. And um, people but can get I, in touch I, with you. I just wanted to say, uh, from the moment I met you, uh, we have been soul sisters in past lives, for sure. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and it's always I know a that's true. <laughs> And it's always a delight to be with you and to speak with you. Always a delight. Thank you Thank so you much for the Paulette. invitation. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, I hope you have a fabulous rest of your day, and I will see you soon. Thank you. Take Thank care. you. Goodbye. Bye.